You're listening to The Bridge, a podcast on stories of courage, resilience, and innovation with me, Linda Fadrizi-Williams, the president of Central Penn College. Welcome to The Bridge Podcast. I'm Dr. Linda Fadrizi-Williams, the president of Central Penn College, and you are listening to The Bridge, where I talk to influential people in our community about their personal stories of resilience. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with the executive producer of The Bridge, Paul Miller. Now, Paul, of course, only produces the show because he loves media, he loves radio, he loves podcasting. But Paul, first and foremost, is also an assistant professor of media studies in our communication department. Paul has a Bachelor of Science degree in communication studies from Slippery Rock University, a Master's of Science degree in communication studies from Shippensburg University, and a PhD candidate in communications media and instruction technology from the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Paul has been teaching at Central Penn College since 2013. He was elevated to full-time instructor in 2016. Communication Program Coordinator in 2017 and Assistant Professor in 2018. In addition, Paul received the Todd A. Milano Faculty Excellence Award at commencement in 2020. Paul is the co-advisor of the nightly news media club, Central Penn College's student news organization. His research interests are in popular culture as he has presented at the National Popular Association Conference over the past two years and has his first publication in popular music. It'll be released this fall. Ladies and gentlemen, I present today's episode of The Bridge with the one and only Professor Paul Miller. It is my absolute pleasure to be the producer of this fine podcast, by the way. <laughs> well, welcome, Paul. I mean, it's not new for you to be in this space, but this is interesting, me interviewing you for the first time because you have interviewed me plenty of times. It's highly intimidating. It's intimidating. No, it's not intimidating for you. Now, what's really interesting today is that we are going to simulcast this presentation with the Nightly News podcast. In so our 150th episode. 150 episodes. And we probably would be a lot further along if it wasn't for the pandemic, which we discussed in the first part of this. But yeah, we, we took a six-month break, and um, we, we've changed our schedule around a little bit. But trust me, this 150 is such a big deal to not only just me, but everybody in the club. Can you believe... Does it feel like you've you've done 150 episodes yes. of this? <laughs> so it's not like just yesterday. I, I edit all of them, so it's I, no. so you could feel it. The, the biggest thing to me, and one, I've also helped to foster other students yes. starting their own podcasts. Yes. And the one thing that I always tell them is how important consistency is. Like right. you have to release on a regular schedule, whatever that regular schedule is. You have to stick to it because your audience. It's just like part of the reason that we develop these parasocial interactions with these folks. For example, I love. Pardon the interruption. Five thirty mm -hmm. every night. If I'm at home, I'm watching PTI. Yeah. <laughs> but if all of a sudden one day PTI just wasn't on the air at five thirty, I would yeah. wonder where's PTI. And it's the same kind of thing with these podcasts. Like it is so important that your audience knows when the podcasts are coming out, when they should expect them. Oh, That's yeah. how you build your audience. Are you were you surprised during the pandemic how tremendous podcast popularity became? And even like on demand, like that aspect of it? No, and this is why. This is something that's been happening for a long time. Uh, we talk about this in, in my Com270 class. We look at podcasting and how it's improved over time, and I just think that it was it was a perfect storm. People were alone. They had yeah, nothing to yeah. do. They tried to figure out an outlet, and then once people started realizing that, frankly, the materials, while not cheap, aren't going to break the bank. Right. And if it's something that you have something to say, it really kind of was the perfect storm. I think it was already brewing prior to the pandemic, but the pandemic just pushed it over the edge. Yeah. Um, but people were just consuming content because, frankly, we couldn't leave our house and there wasn't really much we could I do. Know. 
And you listen to other podcasts. Oh, absolutely. I, I could probably list 10 off the top of my head that I listen to. And to me, it's research. Of yeah. course, it's entertainment, but I wouldn't be half of the podcaster I was if it wasn't for someone like Tony Kornheiser, who mm-hmm. I've been listening to since I was in high school. Uh, and he still has a podcast, and he's very, a very unique person if anyone's ever listened to his podcast. But, you know, I got to meet him before, and I told him thank you. And he's like, what are you thanking me for? I said, you know, I look up to you, and now yeah. I, I teach other people to do this and you know of course he was very very humble and and very appreciative but you know it's listening to other podcasts I try to think what and how can I use their knowledge Mm -hmm. to increase the quality of not only the podcast that I host but also someone like your podcast that I produce and I also produce Adrian's Pirate Life podcast you've really like started helping other people who want to get into this I love doing it well, and I'm good at it. Well, so. we love that you love doing it, and we appreciate it. So Thank let you. me just start by saying that. Of course. Now, I always talk to people about their personal stories of resiliency, and and you have a journey, too. So will you share that with us today? How far back do we want to go here? <laughs> I'll share with you what I share with all of my students. I went to school uh, at Slippery Rock, which I loved. Mm -hmm. I worked for the campus station for four years. I did baseball broadcasts, and then I got an internship and then got a job at WLER down in Butler. I was making $8 an hour. Is that what you went to school for? Is that what you wanted to do? I wanted to be a radio on-air host, much like you were at one point in your career. Uh, As I also, at the time, didn't realize what was happening in the radio industry and how everything was being voice tracked and how they were getting rid of local and going to regional or even Mm -hmm. national. Mm -hmm. And there were no jobs. And so I came home and... One day, I was like, you know what? Being a college professor, that sounds like something that's a lot of fun. So I went back. I got my master's degree, and then I graduated in 2009, and I was overqualified for every job that I had. And so I talked to – just kind of flash-forwarding, I talked to my students a lot. People come to me all the time. Should I go to grad school? Mm. And I say, look – don't go to grad school until you get some experience because right. what you're doing is if you just go to grad school because you don't know what else to do, you're effectively overqualifying yourself for every job. Yeah. And that's yeah. what happened to me. So Dr. Fredrizzi, it was I worked in the restaurant business for almost 20 years because I when I got out with a master's degree and a lot of really good experience, I was going to interviews and I wasn't getting these jobs. Yeah. And it got to the point where I was so frustrated that I found at Harrisburg University, they had a social media summit, and it was a free conference that you could go to. And the reason that I went, that first panel was the job search panel. And I realized what I was doing wrong. Okay. I didn't have a LinkedIn profile. Ah. I didn't have a blog. I wasn't networking. And so those are the three tenets of every class I teach at this point. You have to be on LinkedIn. You have to be active. You have to keep up with your modern trends. It's great if you write, because yeah. every person in our field and, and most fields, to be honest with you, looking for good writers. That's right. That's so right. somehow, through a connection that I had through um, my master's degree program, uh, Tony Donnelly, who taught here for about 10 years, mm-hmm. she's gone on and works at Hack now, but she got me in here. And you know what I did? I just grinded. I did the yeah, best job I possibly could do. And Dr. Melissa Whaler at the time was uh, my boss and created a position for me. And ever since then, I am one of the first people here and last people to leave. And that's just the way that I live. And I do everything I can to make my students succeed. And you do. And I, you know, I think I shared this with you. I was at a mentor, like a mentor Monday event that was hosted by PenLive. And there were women there that wanted advice from other women that had been leaders in their industry. And so I got to meet so many different people. There were multiple women that came to my table that had you as a professor. 
Now, they didn't have to be a Central Penn College student or a Central Penn College grad to be at this event, but they came back because it was at their alma mater. And so they're both successful women, and they they literally named you by name. That is said, Paul, they said that when they felt like giving up, they felt like it was too hard. They said, Professor Paul Miller sat with me. He went through what I had to do for my job interviews. He helped me with my resume. He helped me with my LinkedIn. You know, they mentioned these things specifically and just said how above and beyond you went. And that wasn't unique. The other woman at the table was said, he did the same thing for me. And you are making a massive difference in these students' lives. And do you think that had you not gone through that experience where you couldn't find a job and you had to keep looking, that you would be as effective as you are? Well, and this is sort of a... to. I'll, I'll answer this as briefly as I possibly can. Where a lot of this stems from and where my initial idea of even being a college professor was, and this is also something I share with my students, I almost failed out of college. Um, and it wasn't because of lack of intelligence. It yeah. was it was lack of drive and motivation, sure. the same that many 18-year-olds yep. have. But it was a professor, Dr. James Laux at Slippery Rock University, whom I still stay in contact with. That changed my life. Mm. Uh, it was about halfway through my second semester, and I didn't do well the first semester, and I wasn't doing well my second semester. I had a lot of things going on, personal issues, what have you. And he, instead of doing what he was going to do one day in class, he said, I'm not doing what I was going to do. I want to know why everybody in this class just failed this midterm. And I was sort of at bottom at that yeah. point, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to raise my hand here. So I, I raised my hand. I, I laid out all my problems. Calls me up to the front. He's like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set a weekly appointment with you. I'm going to help you learn how to study. No and kidding. And I went into his office weekly, and he basically just helped me create wow. a study schedule. And wow. And it, it was so unique because I had never had somebody show that kind of interest in me. And he became my advisor and mentor the rest of my time there and, Isn't that and absolutely remarkable? changed my life. Wow. And I thought to myself, by sim him simply doing his job, maybe yeah. above and beyond what is yeah. expected, changed my life. Wow. And I want to be that same person to, well, to everyone else. You are that person. Eh, maybe sometimes I'm a little overbearing, but that's just who I am and and I think that people understand that not every single student reacts positively yeah well that's but, hard but I I try to be as honest as I can with people and and you know sometimes people don't like when you're honest with them they don't but you know it's that's a lesson too like you you have to be willing to, to take in feedback that someone is giving you that is coming from a caring place. It's hard to hear, but you have to be open to it. You can't just assume that you're great at everything and that you know everything. Otherwise, you know, what are you doing, right? The one thing I can say about Central Penn is I feel forever indebted because the Central Penn in 2013 took a chance with me. Beyond that, they created a position for me, and I feel absolutely valued as a member of this institution. Good. And and that, to me, is what is helps drive me every single day to be better and not just be complacent. Well, I love that. And I think, you know, when you get to be around these students and you get to hear their stories, I know when I am feeling overwhelmed or stressed or I have too much on my plate, I just spend a little time with students. Go I talk sit to them. with them, talk to them, go to their events, and I legitimately feel better. So, I mean, you just, you sort of touched on this, but I want to know what you love most about working in the communications department. Being 
involved in things that actually can make a difference. And, and I think what's interesting here, Dr. Fatrizi, and, and maybe you've experienced this as well, I think sometimes with the pervasive nature of media in today's mm-hmm. day and age, in that anyone can create media literally 24-7, I think sometimes there's a little bit less of, okay, for example, somebody coming in on a podcast thinking all I'm doing there is talking you know, oh. look at the preparation oh, yeah. show prep. that no one you knows put that. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when you're listening to a show That's the right. amount of preparation that they put in. So I guess what frustrates me the most about this field is that everyone thinks they can do it. Everyone can't do it. Well, they can't. And you can tell pretty quickly. And everyone shouldn't do it, <laughs> to be honest with <laughs> That's you. That's very true. I, and and the, the whole idea that, especially in the digital media aspect, I'm talking about working with small businesses. This is who I am. Like, mm-hmm. I support small businesses. I, I tell my students, I haven't stepped foot in a Walmart in 15 years. Yeah. And that's just because that's just who I am and that's sure. who I want to be. But at the same time, that... I really believe that the people who I'm training are actually making a significant difference, whether it's someone like Leslie who's working for a nonprofit organization or whether it's somebody who's going out and working for a small business and and helping with their marketing and keeping that money in this community. The the little things that I'm doing to help train these folks has such a far-reaching impact on our our broader region, if you will. So that's one of the, the things that I love about this area is that I really do believe that the things that we're training these folks to do is got such an important role to play in the future of this region as a whole. At Central Penn College, opportunity is always on deck for our athletes in major ways in 2022. We work hard to get our baseball athletes back on the diamond for the 2022 season, and we want you to join us in showing what not only these baseball players, but all Central Penn College athletes mean to us. CPC athletic programs put up impressive efforts against the toughest opponents. We're a small college, but we are mighty. Now you have the opportunity to make us mightier. Small but generous gifts can fuel change in programs. Let's start by supporting our current players to provide the practice and warm-up gear that shows we have pride in them. The money we raise in this campaign is going 100% to help fund our players' gear, and it will be theirs to keep. At a place where opportunity is on deck, you can help us put some runs on the board for our players right now. To donate, go to httpgivebutter.com slash cpcdeck. I think you you're totally correct. So, what's next for the communication department? Well, I'm glad you asked. So, one of the biggest things that we have really been kicking around for the past couple of years, especially with this uh, increased, let's just say, focus on athletics, is how we can increase our own focus mm. in athletics. And our goal is this year is to at least inquire about what it actually means to be a student organization here on campus. Because right now, the, the Nightly News is a is considered a club, right. which we've done very well with that so far. But we also believe if we are going to have a larger role, let's say with, with athletics specifically, yeah, yeah, sure. but, but in other places too, um, that, that we would love to figure out how we can make that happen in terms of logistically. And, and in order to do that, we, we do believe that 
we want to have organizational status. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Well, guess what? There are no student organizations here on campus. Right. Um, like I've had a conversation with Adrian about it. So we really need to figure out what that means, how we can involve or embed the organization inside of our classes, which we already do to a point. Yeah. But there's a, a fine line because one's a club and, and it's optional. Right. Maybe whereas as an organization, you tell the class, hey, you're an, you're a member of the Nightly News this term and you're going to be working for us as part of this particular yeah, it's, journalism It's club. your homework. Right. So that is one of our biggest goals. And of course, our long-term goal is to do 100% of all home games and then potentially expand to road games. Of course, uh, this was one of our initiatives way back in 2019, 2020. Well, the world kind of stopped. Right. And that also, but that also stopped the progress that we had to try to do that. So, and developing a team, all these things um, that we really, really hope to see over the next really year. And, and these are all conversations that, that we have had and are going to continue to have uh, and to see how we can embed this in terms of the communication as a whole. I I just think that we need to focus much more on the digital side of it. We've addressed this in um, our curriculum change back in 2020 adding a couple of new classes that we feel really, really needed. But I think that we we still need to to continue to, myself, doing professional development, maybe adding some different tools that are going to be mm-hmm. useful for students. Um, so those are the two biggest initiatives that I think we're working on. I think that's great. And I know a lot of our students coming in, they they want to learn more about that digital field. And, and some of these students know it better than us because they literally have been doing it for years. But to learn how to properly edit, to properly use a microphone, to properly be in media is very different. So I think having something like that is awesome. And the preconceived notions, though, that students come in, especially from social media, businesses also make the same mistake. Yeah, they don't actually, they don't don't have the theory and the technique behind it, which does make a difference. Mm -hmm. They just understand the platform and they do understand the messaging in a way that, you know, people who weren't digital natives maybe don't. Agreed. So I, I think that's that's super exciting. Okay, now you know I always dig into sort of the work-life balance or work-life life lack of balance. And you, in addition to teaching full-time, you are enrolled in a doctoral program. You know, you're, you're approaching the end, but you are thick in it at this point. Your husband, your father, you have a ton of philanthropic initiatives that you're part of at the college and off campus. How do you balance your work and your life obligations? Well, let me just first talk a little bit more about that. So in 2019 is when I started my PhD program. And I, I tell my students this as well. Um, I saw I struggled with a lot of mental health issues when I went back to school. Yeah. And a lot of that was compounded by the fact that I abruptly and suddenly lost one of my best friends um, just in November of 2019. Mm. So I was already under an immense amount of pressure going back to school for the yeah. first time in 10 years, kind of doubting myself a little bit and then losing a friend on top of that. And uh, I basically spent all of 2020 in, in counseling. And it was the best thing that I ever did. Uh, it really was. It changed my whole life. It, it has reduced. I'm not going to say I don't have any anxiety because I do. Still, Well, it doesn't just go away, no, but I you know. can manage it. Yes. And that's yeah. the key is that I've changed my whole entire outlook. I've changed my perspective. Good. What I will say is that the biggest thing that I've learned how to do is all the way back to my t- discussions about Dr. Lau's. I make a study schedule. If you would ask me <laughs> right now where what I'm going to be doing and when I'm going to be doing it at a certain time, I can tell you 
probably for the next two weeks where I will be every second of my day, whether that's in my room reading, whether that's outside playing catch with my son, whether that's out at the baseball fields on Sunday for my, you know, I, I work with the Challenger baseball program. That is something that I try to instill in students because oh, I'm busy and I have jobs. Yes, all of that is true. You're going to have, you're going to be busy and you're going to have a job for yeah. the rest of your life. But making that work-life balance, it's it's so important. I understand that in a PhD program until I'm done, my work-life balance is probably going to suffer. Mm-hmm. However, I will say that Dr. Vajrizi, I had my last class. <laughs> I do have one more dissertation class, but I had my last official class last oh, weekend. Oh, This will be okay. my first summer that I have free. Oh, now I do have man. to take my comps in July. What are you gonna do with all that time? You're gonna fill it with other efforts, because I know you. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> well, you say nothing, but people like us are not wired for nothing. Well, so it gets filled fairly quickly, I'm just already, pace yourself. I'm already thinking about, um, I'm a huge fan of the show Better Call Saul, and so <laughs> I am hoping to uh, write and submit a journal article this Ooh, summer. Ooh, okay. So we'll I heard see. it's a really good season, by the way. Well, of course it is. Uh, yeah, I need to get on that show because I heard a lot of good things about it. We'll start from the beginning. Okay, I will do that. Now, you know what? I, I appreciate your honesty. I think a lot of people see someone like you and they think, oh, he just has it all together. And he, because, if only it was that simple. But it's, but it's hard and everyone struggles. And I use the same approach as you. My calendar, like my calendar has my free time scheduled. And by free time, it's what am I doing during that free time? And that, that to someone who loves to live in the moment might sound like a nightmare. But when you are carrying this level of responsibility, organizing your life is a very real thing. I could not agree more. I so, mean, even my weekends, like I'm already yeah. booked up on my weekends into like July I know. because I, I, if I see something I want to do, I automatically put it on my calendar and then some, someone says, oh, well, what about this day? Well, I'm, I'm busy that day. Yeah. So I, I, my calendar, I live and die by my calendar, I know. which aggravates my wife to no end. But it's, it's how I have to live at this point. And you know what? Maybe when the dissertation's over. It'll I mean, change a little. I, I reevaluate things. Um, but to me, my my PhD program has been so important to me. I've learned so much, and I love it. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward, as weird as that sounds, to doing my dissertation. No, no, I get it, because that's the part where it's yours, and then you're adding to the community. So that's that's really exciting. Now I want to ask you because. You are involved in your personal community. Philanthropy is so important to you. You're so busy right now. That could be something very easily that you say, I just don't have time for that. Why is it such an important part of your life? Why do you always find a way to make an effort to give back? Dr. Fadrizi, whenever I struggled in finding work from the years, let's say 2009 to to when I started here in 2013, one of the things I also realized I wasn't doing was giving back to the community Mm. and how important that is in the job search process. Now, I'm very quick to, when I talk to students about this, explain to them, look, the first and foremost, you're doing this to give back to your community. You're not doing it for anything in return, whether that be the ability to put it on a resume or what have you. I believe that it's such an important component to who I am because I want to practice what I preach. If I'm going to go in that classroom and tell them that they need to go out inter- on their busy schedules yeah. once a month and or more and go and volunteer somewhere, I need to be doing the same thing because I'd be a hypocrite if I wasn't. Sure. Now, what I would say is don't just volunteer to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Volunteer with an organization that means something to you. So I'll just give you two examples. I am. I have been involved with the Challenger Baseball Program, which is a little league uh, and now an adult league yes. for special needs individuals in our community. Um, I do have a special needs son. My, uh, my son Hunter is 22 years old, and he has um, an intellectual disability and autism mm-hmm. uh, spectrum disorder. And so he has. I love sports. 
And you do I too. know. Yeah, we both do. He'd never been able to play a sport other than like bowling, which I'm also a bowler myself. Okay. He was never able to do sports because he, he just couldn't understand the rules. Okay. And so it was always really difficult to get him involved in sports. He's a great athlete too. Okay. I mean, he really is, but he just, we, we never found that right fit. And we, f- we stumbled upon Challenger Baseball back in like 2014, and we instantly gravitated. Mm. I became assistant coach. I went to head coach. And now <laughs> I am the commissioner of the adult of league. Of course you are. <laughs> because <laughs> the uh, the commissioner who had started this league last year is stepping down. And I stood up, and it is – we've already had a couple of weeks in, and it's just so wonderful. because. But it's I don't look at it like – yeah, uh, it, that's a waste of time or, right. or I could be doing something better. Like if you had any idea what it was like to be out there with these kids oh, every Sunday and see the smiles on their face, it's it's worth everything. Like I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So find something that you're passionate about mm. and you care about when you're volunteering. Don't just volunteer to volunteer because right. they can tell. Trust me, yeah. whether it's the constituents you're working with or the people there. Uh, last year, also during the pandemic, not just because I wanted to get out of the house, <laughs> but because we were also doing the CPC Gives Back, yeah. I worked with uh, with the New Hope Ministries Food Bank. And just to see the impact that you had it's, it's on tremendous. those people, it yeah. was unbelievable. So philanthropy shouldn't be something that seems like a chore. It should be something that you that aligns with your own personal goals in life. And it feels good. And what's interesting, all research that's been done on people who volunteer they're happier people overall. They suffer less from depression well, and what's because interesting it feels is, good to give back. What's interesting is that was a major part of, of my, I don't want to say recovery necessarily, but that was a major part yeah. of, of going through counseling is, is I was trying to find things that made me happy. That you had, gave you some meaning. Yeah, I understand. Well, thank you. That's incredible. You're incredible. I'm so glad I had this time with you. Now, at the end of each podcast, you know, and you just asked me some rapid fire questions when when you interviewed me recently. So let's do some rapid fire questions. Top of your head, quick responses. Let's do okay? it. Number one, top song, group, artist on your playlist. And I will allow you to include podcasts in that because I know that's what you listen to most. My favorite band, Dave Matthews Band. I've seen Dave over 15 times. Wow. Absolutely love him. Always have, always will. Podcasts, again, I, I do listen to the Tony Kornheiser show. I got into two really cool podcasts. One's called Signcast, hmm. if you're a fan of Seinfeld, oh, okay. which I am, yeah. I'm a massive fan of. They basically, these two guys go through all 180 episodes, uh, and it, they'd been doing it for years, but I stumbled <laughs> upon that. And the second one was actually, um, recently I got into, I, I rewatched The Sopranos, mm. and there was a podcast from Michael Imperioli and Steve Shrippa called Talking Sopranos. So I've been uh, checking in on that too. So those are a few podcasts that I've been. Do you ever listen to Cavino and Rich? I've heard of it, but I've never listened to it. My my family thinks I'm crazy because it's really a show that's mostly targeted to men. But I love it because they their whole thing is like life, sports, and entertainment, and that's what they talk about. And they kind of give a male perspective, and they're you know our age ish, mm-hmm. but they act like young guys. Anyway, I love them. I even followed them on Patreon when they nice. when they left SiriusXM. So that's that's my favorite. All right, dog or cat? Dog, definitely, but I uh, we own guinea pigs. And Ooh, I okay. love, love. Okay. I was very hesitant at first. When First of all, I wasn't consulted. And just one day, <laughs> there were guinea pigs in our house. And I was like, oh my gosh, this oh is boy. not what I'm... I love them. Are they sweet? Do yes. they let you hold them yes. and stuff? Oh, that's They're my emo- cool. Like, anybody who thinks emotional support animals are not real 
I oh no, they are one hundred percent. They, to- they mood, totally are. My mood totally changes. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it is, and they're so cute. Oh, that's wonderful. really that's really sweet. All right, best thing that's happened to you this month, and you can't count the baseball game either because that was last month. I presented at the National Popular Cultural Association yes. conference, and yes. that is something that's super important to me. So it had been a paper I'd worked on for over a year um, about Christopher Nolan and the film Tenet, which was his most recent film, um, and I was looking. I did a content analysis of critic reviews about it and I basically made the case that the average person doesn't want to film as art anymore. They want the big box office spectacles mm. and that is a horrific thing for film moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. That's exciting. It was great and I actually, out of it, also was asked to write a book review for the National, uh, excuse me, the Journal of Popular Music. That's well. tremendous. So. Excellent. All right, favorite beverage? Mint tea. So I'll tell you what. Mint tea, that's very specific. Buy, they're called Boston Mint Tea Bags. You make them like you would make any other tea. Yeah. You put it in a a container, you put it in the fridge, little sugar, perfect summer drink. Oh, so you you drink it iced. Iced tea, yes. Okay. Best piece of advice for Central Penn College students? Realize that you are lucky in that you are attending a school where every single person on this campus is invested in your success. I can honestly say I've been to other institutions. I've worked at other institutions, and we have such a unique niche here because we have the ability to work with students on an individual level. Do, does every student take advantage of that? No, but most of them do, and those who do see the benefits of it. So reach out to your professors. Yes. Reach out to the student support. Reach out to counseling at centralpen.edu if you are having a tough time. These people are here, and it, it's their job to help you, but it's not even that they want, want to. to help yeah, you. Yeah, that's great advice. Paul, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit with me today, for letting me interview you, for making me sound good on the bridge podcast because you always do such a great job putting it all together and it's been so nice spending the afternoon with you dr fadrizi the same goes for you as busy as you are for you to (laughs) take time to do this it really means the world to me and uh, the nightly news podcast but the bridge podcast obviously we had a lot going on with middle states and our accreditation here is of utmost importance but i will tell all of you bridge fans the bridge will be back and better than ever starting with this episode and moving forward yeah so that will do it for this episode of the bridge and i can't wait to see you next time Thanks for listening to this episode of The Bridge, hosted by Central Penn College President Linda Fedrizzi-Williams. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a great rating on your favorite podcast service. The Bridge is available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future episodes of The Bridge, stories of resilience, courage, and innovation with Dr. Linda Fedrizzi-Williams. We'll see you next time.